Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Searching for something to put a smile back on your face. Just remembering unusual times that can come from an unusual place. You need a partner for the ride, cause everybody needs a climb. So set your worries to the side. Shit 90 Shows Taught Me was not filmed before a live studio audience. Welcome back to Shit 90 Shows Taught Me. I'm Jess Sterling here with my co-host, Sarah Ferguson. Sarah, how are you? Jess, we went to couples therapy for podcasters. They say that we need to try out each other's interests. I'm here trying to try out your interest. And then uh, maybe next month we'll... uh, Work on maybe getting you into like a sorority or, or like maybe vases. I'll go buy some vases or maybe some decorative vases. Yeah. So <laughs> we're here celebrating, um, you know, some of your interests and I'm mm-hmm. ready to be open minded and learn. Yes. So for those who didn't read the title of this podcast, we're doing Dungeons and Dragons through the lens of Dawson's Creek. See, this is how I feel like you should learn about Dawson's Creek, Sarah, because it's like, or excuse me, learn about Dungeons and Dragons because it's through the lens of something you love. So it's mm-hmm. what what better way to teach you about something new that I love than through the lens right. of something you love. Right. Yes. And we yes. obviously couldn't do this alone because I am a severe, severe Dungeons and Dragons novice. I know almost nothing. I know very little of the grand, grand world that is Dungeons and Dragons. So we had to pull in a special guest. This person is a dungeon master. He knows a ton about Dungeons and Dragons. I've seen the books that sit behind him when he plays. We have invited, if you if you're around the post show recaps discord you know this man we have invited austin here austin how are you 
I'm great. I'm super excited to be here. And uh, whereas Sarah may be the D&D novice, I am absolutely a Dawson's Creek novice. I have seen a total of one episode of Dawson's wow. Creek. Um, so I think we can really marry everything together uh, through Jess as our conduit uh, to arrive at the perfect combination of Dawson's yes, and Dragons. Yes, Dawson's so. and Dragons. I love it. Jess is like our translator. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We all speak English here, but only some of us speak Dungeons and Dragons, and only some of us speak Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I have I have so many questions. I've been really trying to get um, wrap my mind around this whole thing, um, but like I said, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes. I'm ready with my questions. I'm ready to learn. So I I don't even know what's going. I don't even know what I'm doing here today. Yeah. I. I got for once in my life, I got to do zero prep work for a podcast and it was magical. Yes. So Austin, why don't you give us a little bit of your your dungeon master resume on kind of like how long you've been playing, uh, you know, all of that fun stuff. Yeah, so I've been playing since about 2018. So I'm actually like pretty new to the D&D thing. Uh, D&D's been around since the 70s. So I am still a wee babe in the eyes of uh, you know more experienced D&D players. But I've thrown myself in <laughs> uh, full force into D&D these past few years. Um, started running a game pretty much right away as soon as I discovered it. And, uh, you know, at the moment I'm running three oh different games <laughs> uh it's it's basically what i do with my spare time uh which is fantastic uh so always excited to talk more about D. &D yes absolutely <laughs> um so how we're gonna start this off is we're kind of gonna get the little bit of a basics for sarah here to kind of teach her a little bit about dungeons and dragons if she has questions she can ask those uh and then we'll get into kind of sorting the characters as best we can into their respective uh races and classes which sarah will also get to learn about Sarah, do you have any opening questions to start or would you rather Austin kind of mm. tell you a little bit first and then then you can ask questions? I have dozens of questions, but I will let Austin take the lead because I'm sure whatever question I have, he will automatically answer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Big shoes to fill. Let's see what we can do. Uh, so... Broad overview, broad scope overview of what D&D is. Um, like I said, it's been around since the 70s, and it originally, like, spawned out of, like, miniature wargaming, like, the, like, old school, like, Warhammer-type stuff. But it evolved into this idea of a collaborative storytelling game. It's a tabletop role-playing game. Uh, you get together with a group of friends or a group of strangers, if you're so inclined, uh, everyone brings a character to the table, often inspired by things like uh, Lord of the Rings or, you know, a myriad of other sort of fantasy type genres. But D&D can stretch into all manner of, of genres. You can go into space, you can go into uh, post-apocalyptic worlds, whatever you want to do, D&D facilitates it. But you gather a group of people together, you create characters that have uh, some degree of adventuring spirit. They want to go out into the world and explore dungeons, you know, hidden ruins, searching for treasure, fighting dangerous monsters, saving the realm, uh, or perhaps causing <laughs> uh, problems along the way. But it's this uh, creative space to, to tell a story together, overseen by 
one player who's known as the dungeon master who sort of sets the world whereas most players come in with a single character they're responsible for playing uh legolas or aragorn or whoever they will uh often <laughs> uh actually designed by themselves you know imbuing that character with some aspect of what they want to explore meanwhile the dm kind of controls the world they set up the the layout of the dungeon they set out the layout of the town they play the allies of the players they play the villains they play the monsters and it's this mix between straight up game where you roll dice to determine how well you hit the monster, how well you dodge the dragon's breath, and open-ended storytelling. Conversations between characters, character growth over you know, multiple games that span out. You know, this isn't a game where you necessarily like sit down one and done, you know, when you leave the table, that character is dead, you never think of them again. D&D really thrives in being able to revisit the character over multiple games, uh, you know, over multiple years. Uh, the game that I started playing in 2018 is still going. Uh, so I've been playing that game for four years uh, with a number of my close friends. And we're you know, all very invested in our characters uh, and what's happening to them. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my wife's character <gasps> died, <laughs> but we are on a path okay. to resurrect her okay. uh, this weekend. So... <laughs> It's it's dramatic okay. and exciting. Um, all right. Okay. Um, okay. So many questions. Okay. That's so first of all, <laughs> perfect. Okay. Let's start with one. First of all, let's go back to the the DM, the dungeon master. Um, yes. Is this how does one become a dungeon master? Is there like a fellowship of dungeon masters? Is there a membership <laughs> card? Like, how does one become a dungeon master? Well, there's this whole ritual that you have to go through where you light candles, you have to go into this like dark uh, place, you got to speak the Back oath. Back to Greek no, life, None of that yes. at all. It's, it's, yeah, it's yeah. usual. <laughs> Again, intersection. Um, no, it's, to become a dungeon master, all you have to have is creativity um, and a desire to facilitate a story for other people. Uh all of the rules that are built into D&D are important for a dungeon master to understand because they are, in a sense, the arbiter of the game. They kind of facilitate it, make sure that it's running smoothly, that they're calling for uh, when to roll dice, when to make decisions. So there is a little bit of like rules knowledge that a dungeon master needs, but primarily the thing that uh, fuels a dungeon master is the idea of creativity and mm -hmm. setting the world so they, in place. They create the players. world. How... How that seems like a big job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, yeah. Thankfully, D and D has you know been around a while, and so has uh, like a number of settings that are kind of right. pre-prepared. Mm -hmm. um, there's sort of the the big one that is prominent in the current edition of D and D is the Forgotten Realms, uh, which is where the post-show recaps. Uh, Discord game is is taking place in that world, but there are a myriad of other uh, existing okay. worlds. So there are like well. maps uh, and stuff. Know, there's, a, there's the world of okay. Eberron, which is steampunky, and yeah, like there's there's lots of stuff that's already out there. Um, there are lots of players that, uh, or lots of games across the across the world that play in established worlds. You can play D and D in Middle Earth if you wanted mm -hmm. to, or you can completely create it from scratch uh, if you're so inclined to build a world from the ground up. 
it's very right. open ended for the okay. DM to That's decide really what cool. they want to do. Um, okay, want. and then you. So the whole thing is like this is like not like we thought Monopoly was a long game. Like this is like a long <laughs> game, and it can go on forever. Um, and you hope to have one player, um, right? Like one character, one. One person. Like one, if, yeah, if I'm the player, mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on the person. You could yeah. totally, like, get sick of who you're playing and, like, want them to die and want to play a different character or want to, like, retire your person. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can, like, they level up as time goes on until you reach, like, a maximum level of 20. Um, and so by that point, right, like, I don't know what character, or excuse me, what level your characters are at, Austin, in your game that's been running for, like, three years now, but, like, Maybe after three years, you really are sick and tired. And maybe, I mean, I know you said your wife is looking to resurrect her character. That might not be for everybody. You might just be, like, happy to to have a new character to play with. Really depends on the person. Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's, it's also one of these things where, obviously, there can be these long, overarching stories, but you know, sometimes they're, they're finite. It's, it's like, let's play out this, you know, narrative arc. And once that arc is over, we'll keep playing D&D, but we'll start fresh. We'll all roll up new characters. We'll roll up a new setting. Uh, or, you know, maybe we'll play in the same world. But 10 years later, uh, you know, it's, it's very open-ended. But generally speaking, you want to be invested in the character you're playing. You want to see them survive. You want to see them, you know, into the next game. Until there's a reason that you mm-hmm. see it, not um, to continue that character. Is it too much of a sensitive subject to ask how your wife died? <laughs> oh, no, not at all. It was uh, it was interesting. So my characters had all been sent to uh, this heavenly plane. So they, you know, they left the material world. They left Earth, uh, traveled through the multiverse to this heavenly plane to try to track down one of the other party members, like close friends who'd gotten trapped in this other world. Uh, when they went there, they discovered that this friend um, had fallen into the entourage of a creature known as a wanderlust, this giant celestial shambling plant, a plant that uh, grew so tired of being rooted in one place that it uprooted itself and began to wander the world. But because its uh, desire to see the world was so powerful, uh, it charmed other individuals that it passed by like drawing them into this web of this hive mind of strange creatures that just kind of followed this wanderlust plant through this enormous celestial forest so my my wife and her uh her companions found this shambling plant uh you know and sought to break the charm that the plant had held on their friend but in doing so, the plant and the entire hive mind of the entourage it controlled attacked them uh, because it was seen that they were trying to pull uh, this person away from, from the hive. And in the fray, in the chaos that uh, befell, my wife's character fell unconscious and was absorbed into mm. the plant. Uh, it just kind of like consumed her, uh, pulling her inside uh, the plant where she... Uh, where she expired. Oh no! Uh, oh, shortly how, before the plant. What a tragic was story! Was the friend at least saved? It was very tragic. It was very intense. It was did very anybody scary. wait? Hold on. Was the friend saved, and did anybody cry when your wife's character died? 
So uh, the other friend was saved. The the friend that had been trapped in this plant for months, uh, or like in this entourage for months, uh, they were saved, which was wonderful. Um, I don't think any tears oh. were shed, but there was definitely this like palpable mm-hmm. sense of like emotion and stress and loss. It was a situation where my wife's character was basically teetering on the edge of death for most of the session she fell unconscious really early the party were trying to like revive her and heal her but she kept getting knocked down uh there's a mechanic in D that when you're unconscious and it comes back to your turn in combat you've got to roll a dice to see if your character is like holding on or if they're slipping mm-hmm. closer and closer to death and my my wife kept rolling really low so her character was just on this like uh, very slow okay. trajectory towards so this is where a physical yeah. element comes in we have dice mm. right like this is like a big part of dungeons yes. dragons is dice and like i looked on the googles on the etsy and you can get all sorts of dice <laughs> oh there's like, so many pretty dice i i can't i've bought i think i have like four sets of dice right now and i don't i have one character <laughs> don't need that many but they're they're so appealing they're so pretty (laughs) i saw um dice that would be appropriate for a bachelorette party austin if you know what i mean oh i've seen those (laughs) oh mm. yeah that that yeah Yeah, so basically (laughs) like uh depending on what you're rolling for you might roll different types of dice so i'm sure when you saw the dice they're in sets so you have a d20 which is kind of like your basic use dice it's what you're rolling to attack usually um it's what you're rolling a lot of times for other skill checks as a d20 and then they're obviously which is the d20 is the it has 20 sides um and then there's things like a d6 a d8 which you might roll uh for when you actually hit something to like give it the damage you know so you throw an axe at it uh, how much damage are you doing to the creature basically so how many there's like six different dice in a set how many dice there's lots of dice there's yeah, there are seven dice generally in a set. Um, there's the D20, as just mentioned, and then there's a D4, a D6, a D8, a D10, and a D12, um, which are predominantly used for things like damage, as Jess was explaining. And then there's also this weird second D10, um, which is called a percentile dice, that you roll with the regular D10 if you ever need to like roll effectively a hundred-sided yeah. It dice. doesn't come up often. <laughs> it's easier to roll two tens with one being the ones, one the tens. It's very rare. It's kind of the, it's it's the, it's the redheaded yeah. stepchild of, of the dice set. They just kind of like sit there on the side right. and are ignored most of the time. <laughs> but lots of different shapes, but they, uh, you know, they all serve their particular function. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, depending on what kind like of character I feel like the dice playing. element could get confusing. But... It can, but I would say that like, if you had a character that you'd been playing for at least a couple of sessions, you do get very used to like what dice you will need for that character. So for example, my character in the Posher Recaps Discord is a ranger. And so along with that, usually her damage is going to be using like a D6 or a D8. I don't use a lot of like, I don't use the hundred sided die that Austin was mentioning. Like I don't use the D10 or D12 much. Um, So you don't always need all of them and honestly it's it's on your character sheet um which kind of outlines who your character is what their attributes are all of that um and you can always ask somebody oh what am i what am i supposed to roll for for this particular thing and your dungeon master would know i just found the prettiest set obviously i'm shopping <laughs> like it's like what podcast 
Ja. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have it with me, but uh, dice are a huge obsession in, in my household. We probably own collectively between my wife and I over 100 oh, wow. sets already. Um, so it's, yeah. it's you know. It's great. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Some people wow. like metal dice. Some people prefer the like the the plasticky kind. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their preference, but I found I've already found like gemstone. You know I love crystals. Yes, so yeah, yes. they have some found really them. pretty dice mm-hmm. out there um, for for people who who enjoy collecting them for sure. Okay, now what about leveling up? How does one level up and use? And it goes up to twenty, right? Right. Yeah. So generally speaking, um, you'd start uh, playing D&D as a level one character. You know, your adventurer is only just beginning on their journey. They've just left home to go seek fame or fortune or rescue a family member who's been taken away or whatever, whatever is their call to adventure. So they're pretty inexperienced. And the idea is the more adventures they play, the more adventures they go on, the more experience they gain in the world at large with their skills, their abilities. Maybe their character has like some greater calling that they're kind of building and learning towards. Um, And to sort of represent that, they level up along the way. Uh, So at various points, uh, they will gain new abilities. um, They will become a little hardier, a little hard to kill. (laughs) Um, And that's what's called leveling up. Uh, In terms of how it mechanically works, it varies game to game, table to table. Some uh, gaming groups will keep like really close tabs on like, well, what monster did you fight and how much experience is is that worth? And you've got to like hit a certain threshold of experience points before you can level up. Some games will uh, take what's called milestone leveling and use more of a narrative approach to leveling up which is what i do in my home games you know when you know a narrative arc is kind of completed when it sort of feels like we've reached a point in the story that the characters would naturally like gain more abilities gain more strength then we level everyone up together um you know and there's variations in between all of that uh but the idea is it's there to sort of represent and grow your character as they advance through their adventuring career it's also more fun to get new stuff yes. to play with. Leveling up is so, very <laughs> leveling exciting, especially when you hit like certain milestone levels, right? Mm-hmm. So like at certain levels, like I just hit level five with my character, mm. which means I get a second attack uh, in combat. Mm-hmm. Just, really nice. that's amazing. I know. <laughs> uh, a level, f- yeah, Congratulations. level five. Happy mm-hmm. level up day. <laughs> oh. um, Austin, what's your highest level player? A guy character. What do we call? What should I call? So, it? character, character, uh, character. Yeah. So the the highest level that my players have gotten to is level seven. Um, even this game that's been going on a long time, we've we don't get to play very often. So we've leveled up kind of slowly, and like I said, I kind of take that more narrative approach. Um, so we've played like nearing forty sessions over the last four years, and so we've just sort of hit level seven. Uh, which I'm excited to kind of get into that sort of slightly higher tier of play for mm-hmm. the first time. Uh, but in terms of my own my own characters, uh, you know, I'm I'm still a lowly level three <laughs> uh, in the kind of character that I get to play in the in the pro show recaps game. So, you know, broad ranging mm-hmm. spectrums, but still that that lower end of the scale. I would love to get a game up into the level twenty Ooh. range because uh, there's some there's some cool stuff that as a dungeon master you can throw at players. 
that have characters right. of yeah, that you'd high need like a, caliber. You can, <laughs> so you, basically when people are low level, they're a lot more likely to die. So you're not necessarily going to throw like a dragon at them because mm-hmm. they can't handle it. So you'll give them a lot easier of a creature to defeat, basically. Mm, like a rabbit. I mean, a little bit more difficult than a rabbit. Yeah, like, yeah, like a killer rabbit. No, not a killer. No, no, not a I mean, killer well, rabbit. You, you, say, you say that now, Jess. You're giving <laughs> well, me ideas. Well, that's the thing, Sarah. You don't want, like, <laughs> you have to think about it in, like, you don't want to be killing puppies, right? Like, if someone threw a puppy at you as an evil creature, it's like, oh, well, I want to take it home. Like, I don't want to kill it. So a lot mm-hmm. of times it's easier if the creature you're fighting is something, like, disgusting or, you know, mean or trying to kill me. It's a lot easier to wrap your head around killing a creature like that. Okay. Okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah, I wouldn't um, want to kill an instant rabbit. You and know? you have to, you you have to fight to level up. Like I can't be like yes. doing domestic activities. Well, to level up. Here's the thing. Like, yeah, well, there's hmm. like there's like like Austin was saying there is a level of role play involved, right? So like I would see if you ever did play Dungeons and Dragons, I think you would much more enjoy the the role playing aspect than you would the battling aspect. There's usually always going to be some form of a battle. Um, it depends on whose session you're playing in. But I would say, I mean, Austin, you can say more than I can. But I would say usually there's going to be some type of battle. But there is a lot of downtime to role play in as well. Yeah, like at the end of the day, D&D is a game that's built around this combat system. Like you want to be like fighting the monsters and like defeating the the dragons and the the mm-hmm. devils and the whatever, you know, strange things are assailing the world. But if you wanted to play a character that was more pacifist or that had like an aversion, wanted to resolve things like through social encounters, you know, when you meet a tribe of goblins, you know, you don't have to kill the goblins. You can find out what the goblins want and try to meet their needs through trade or mm. parlay. They might be amenable to that. They might not. But it's up to you. And I think that's one of the things that is really appealing about D&D. And a lot of these like tabletop role-playing games, like there are many more out there beyond D&D, but mm. D&D is the big one, uh, is that you have options as a player. Like unlike a video game where you kind of like just get thrust through the, the narrative path and you have to kill everything in front of you, you can solve problems differently in D&D. Like, you can completely subvert what the DM might be planning as a combat encounter by a really clever social manipulation or by sneaking past the big uh, sleeping giant rather than stabbing it. It's up to you. And it gives a lot of versatility to the okay, players. Okay, I like that. Yeah, and explore. I also think, too, it really depends on the type of um, class you're playing as well, which I know we'll get into. But, like... For example, a class like a fighter might be more into melee attacking with like hammers or, you know, swords or whatever versus something like a bard is they have more spells at their disposal. So they're more likely to charm something or, you know what I mean? Do something, use their charisma to to speak to somebody and convince them, persuade them to do something mm-hmm. different. So it's like, it also really depends on what class you've chosen and kind of your approach to the situation as well. Okay. All right. This sounds very good. I, I like that. I like that you can use different methods. I mean, I talk about my days playing runescape and i spent the majority of my time on runescape mm-hmm. um mining i really like to mine and i also mm-hmm. tend to uh 
I used to make some um, wicked apple pies on RuneScape. Um, and, and this is because it's because I was a noob and I got lured in for a trade into the combat forest and got killed and got all my shit stolen. So ever since then, I'm like, no, no, fighting's not for me. Fighting's not for me. It wasn't very nice of them. Just going to bake pies yeah. and mine gold. That's all, that's all I need to do. Yeah, so then I got into the workforce. I was like, I'm just going to mine. I'm going to like work really hard mm-hmm. and like sell and trade my armor, oh my, um, my swords. That was better for me. And no, yeah. I, whenever somebody said, do you want to go into the forest? I said like, no after no that. I learned my lesson. They yeah. can't get me again. I also wonder if Sarah, Austin, what do you think? <laughs> Would Sarah make a good cleric? based on what she's saying and, like, her method of playing? I think so. I think a cleric would be a great call. Uh, clerics are, you know, traditionally, like, the healer class. Uh, they're the, the the folks that are trying to make sure their fellow adventurers don't meet a grisly end, make sure that they uh, stay well taken care of, Uh you know, but any class could be a baker. <laughs> any true. class could be a miner if you wanted to. But I think I think a cleric yeah. is a is yeah, a, especially because cool they're not really into the. They can, you know, injure people and battle people, but they're usually on the outskirts oh, for sure. to protect. You know, a lot of the rest of the party by healing them. So, yeah, mm. <laughs> sounds good to me. So, are we going to get into okay? What's a class and what's a race? I yeah, guess let's head in that direction. Our our next steps is to decipher Perfect. what this is all about. Yeah. So when I when you sit down to draw up your your character as a player in D anD D, you you really have like two major decisions to make about who your character is, what their race is, and what their class is, and of course like what their personality is. That's really important too. <laughs> but uh, in terms of me- the mechanical side of the game. The race and the class are really what sort of define your character. For instance, uh, in the PSR game, uh, I play a uh, a shifter, this sort of like werewolfy kind of race, uh, and I'm a druid. So I, you know, have a connection to like natural magic, and I can, uh, you know, not just shift into a wolf. I can turn into a mouse or a cat or a dog, uh, as my character is prone to do. Uh, whereas Jess, your character. Um, is um, I yeah, well so you. I told <laughs> I told character. Sarah a little bit about my character, which she was very shocked. That yeah. like this, this was the, her introduction to D anD D was me mentioning my character. It's a lot. Yeah, my character <laughs> is a forest gnome, uh, one of the smaller races uh, in D anD D, and she is a ranger. So um, think uh, Legolas in in Lord of the Rings. Uh, she's proficient with um, anything, a ranged weapon, archery, but she can also do some combat um, up close if she needs to. And she, uh, the main reason I took Ranger as a class is because at the third level you get what's called a companion, which is an animal. Um, and I chose a miniature horse, which she rides into battle. Um, so that's that's my uh, that's, my, that's my character in D anD. Why why the gnome though? Like I really loved I so I I picked a gnome. I loved the idea of having a character because I I thought of her personality first, honestly. And I loved the idea of having a character that was very, very small, but felt 
like the biggest person in the world. Like she had a huge personality mm. and she feels like she's no different than anybody else and she can kick ass with the best of them. Um, but she also may be a slightly insecure about her height. Uh, so she wears a huge hat to, to kind of offset that height. Um, and gnome fit the bill for me. Gnomes, uh, I, I thought of like a Keebler elf in a tree. Like I loved the idea of that. Um, very connected to nature, which I, I, I feel like every character I have would probably be connected to nature and or animals. Um, so it just fit the bill and, uh, and it worked with the ranger class, which I also really wanted to play. Hmm. But okay. So let's get into what should we, which should we go? Yeah, to we could first? go race first. Cause it comes in the order of, uh, operations, I guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So when you're considering, uh, your D and D race, like, you know, it's, it's pretty much the, the stock standard fantasy options are right there at the start. You know, you've got your humans, um, which are, you know, we play a human every day, but humans in D and D can still make for interesting <laughs> Who's characters. Choosing the human. That's what elves. I said. Sarah says the same thing I did. I judge people who pick human. I'm a human. It's boring. <laughs> Who's doing it? <laughs> Name names. <laughs> people are doing it. Fill the tea. Um, but then you have, I mean, like, well, hey, like, Aragorn's a human. Like, let's let's be honest. Like, there's there's some interesting human characters mm-hmm. out there in in the D and D world. But there's lots of weird and interesting races in D and D. So, oftentimes, I think most people like gravitate towards the Stranger Things. Uh, you've got your traditional stuff like elves and dwarves, uh, hobbits, which are known as halflings in this game for copyright reasons. Um, but then you get into uh, things like gnomes. Uh, you can also play like monstrous races. Like if you wanted to play a goblin character, you can play a goblin. Uh, if you want to play an orc, you can play an orc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get into like the really, really weird stuff, which is like super specific to D&D. Like there are like tabaxi, which are like cat-like people. Uh, there are aracocra that are like eagle people. Uh, there are janasi that have like elemental aspects to them. They're kind of like uh, humanoid genies. Um, it gets weird and interesting Mm -hmm. and more or less like if you have an idea for the kind of character you wanted to play it's probably there you can probably play it (laughs) if you want to play a devil person an angel person a turtle person whatever you want it's there (laughs) just said no mermaids though i mean no no mermaids (laughs) not traditionally but if you wanted to play a mermaid there's probably ways that we could do yeah. it. You know, we could probably look at making uh, maybe like a sea elf. Uh, you know, maybe you can, you know, kind of do your aerial thing and like walk on land, but in the ocean, your legs turn back into into a tail. See? Maybe you're a well, water genasi. That... Maybe you're elemental and watery. Ooh, and wait, okay, yeah, so absolutely. isn't anything like in the book <laughs> saying you can be a mermaid? But yeah, you can like what they call awesome. Would that be considering like reskinning, if you will, into like something else? Yeah. yeah. Flavoring. Yeah, reflavoring, reskinning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much how you do it. If you wanted, if you wanted to play a mermaid, that's probably the way that uh, you know it'd sort of be built using the rules as written. Do I need like extra points or skills to choose a special character, or can I just go full tilt? Is there restrictions? You can you can pretty much go full tilt on your idea. There might there might be some restrictions when you start looking at like the specific rules of what works, and that might help sort of shape or define mm-hmm. who your character is. Maybe if you liked the idea of playing a mermaid. Um, like, and you really wanted to do that, but we're looking at all of the the rules of what options we could use to reskin your mermaid character. 
maybe it's a little too limited for what you want. Mm-hmm. So the character then becomes, well, then maybe they are a sea elf who has lost the, you know, it's like become separated from their mermaid kingdom <gasps> and they're adventuring to try to find a way to like recover their mermaid form oh. to return home. Like maybe that's what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. You got me there. You're making me interested. I like that. Why does that have to be a sea elf though? Why an elf? Well, it doesn't have to be. That was just the first one that came to mind. There are a number of races that have like watery aspects. Is the Genasi yeah. mean because this thing, yeah. she's mean, a mean mermaid? <laughs> well, here's the thing. There are like, uh, there are alignments, right? So you've seen the alignment charts before of like lawful, um, chaotic, yes. evil, whatever. Right? No clue what that was. Basically, it's just where, it's a grid and it's where your person falls in that grid. But what I'll say is like, maybe they usually are X, Y, Z. That doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean your character has to be like that. There are good and bad goblins. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. good and bad gnomes. Like you don't necessarily mm-hmm. have to choose just because it says that race is usually XYZ. You don't have to have your character be that way. I originally had a tiefling character. Tieflings are like kind of somewhat descended from like devil people in a way. They usually have horns. They have tails and their tails usually look kind of like a devil tail. Mine was not at all like that. She had antlers. She had a huge bushy foxtail and she was not evil at all. So like it really just depends on how you want your character to be. Okay, I'm like so getting vibes. So like I sent, I put in the recording channel like this Genasi girl. She looks evil as fuck. But (laughs) is she a water siren? Tell me about that. You know, like sirens. I think that is. uh, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, you know, how about that? I love it. I love it. Like. Exactly. Like, uh, you know, if you wanted sort of flavor with this sort of like sirony aspect, absolutely. You could build a uh, a water genasi, uh, you know, siren type uh, figure who, you know, has a, a powerful voice and calls, uh, you know, charms and affects people around her. Uh, absolutely. That's the kind of thing you could build. And that's maybe sort of cresting into the class aspect of what kind of class you'd build. So you could have those sorts of magical effects with your voice uh or or appearance okay okay so what's up with the classes i'm getting excited and i know that like i don't even know if this is gonna become anything but i'm getting like very excited it's really fun i feel like character creation is one of my favorite parts i don't know if it's for everybody but i i love the character creation it felt intimidating when i was thinking about it on my own i don't know why at one point i was like thinking about this on my own i was like "I i don't understand i don't like it There's a lot. It is a lot and it can be really overwhelming for new people, especially like if we were to just throw a character sheet at you and say, here you go, go ahead. Like, I think that's just not the approach when you're trying to get someone Mm -hmm. into D&D because it's it looks overwhelming, but it's really just like you can learn the rules as you go. Yeah. Okay. so what's up with the classes? Yeah, so classes are like what your character is good at doing, how they fight, how they approach the world. Um, it's not what their job is, but it's kind of that's kind of a similar analogy. Um, there are thirteen classes in total. Um, some of them are more combat focused, like a fighter, who is pretty much what it says on the box. Uh, they're good at fighting. They're they're martially skilled. But you also have monks who are more martial artists. Uh, you know, using 
sort of a lot of Eastern influence in terms of hand to hand combat, uh, as opposed to the more sort of like Western sort of like knight and warrior kind of idea for a fighter. You also have things like barbarians who are like the the wild raging uh, warriors um, that are driven by like intense emotion and have that that literally rage. That is one of their abilities mm-hmm. is to rage uh, and make their attacks more damaging. On the other end of the spectrum, we've got magic users, uh, wizards that study the arcane uh, that pour over spell books to increase their knowledge. Uh, you've got clerics who also uh, divine out a lot of spell casting, but through the divine. They're often associated with uh, religion, but they don't have to be. Um, but they you know, serve a god or an ideal, and that's what informs their magic. Uh, there's a whole bunch in that space uh, Paladins are kind of the nexus point between a cleric and a fighter. They're often driven by uh, a sense of purpose, an oath to hold up a certain ideal. So they're often very like morally driven characters that have a hint of, of divine aspect to them. Uh, whereas going back, shifting towards the wizard side of things, we have sorcerers who rather than learning their magic, they're born with it. Maybe somewhere along the line in their history, an ancestor made a deal with a dragon, and now that lineage has dragon blood, which gives them magical powers from birth. Maybe their character didn't uh, get to be born with power, but they wanted it. So they made a deal with the dragon, or they made a deal with a devil, or a powerful fey being, uh, Titania or Oberon, and they are a warlock they have made a bargain for magical power. Maybe your character is uh, a druid. They have also this connection to magic, but it's not through the gods. It's not through learning. It's through connection to the natural world. It's, uh, you know, the old magics, (laughs) Uh, you know, out in the forests, out in the wild places. Um, And through that, they're able to take the form of animals. Maybe they're a ranger. Maybe they still have that connection to the natural world, but it's more survivalist. It's more hunting, fishing, tracking, uh, being familiar with the world around them and being able to navigate through these remote places, uh, you know, know how to hunt, know how to know how to track. Then we have sort of cresting into maybe some of our more city slicker type classes. We've got our spellcasting bards. Uh, that channel the power of performance, of music, of dance to cast spells, uh, to channel all sorts of magic. And they're often very like charismatic, very uh, lively characters. But then you've got the sneaky side. You've got your rogues, your thieves, your assassins who lurk in the shadows mm. uh, and sneak about, uh, you know, sometimes doing some criminal activities, sometimes being above board, but just like being sneaky. And the last uh, class, I think, I think I've gone through all of them except this one. The last class is what's called an artificer. They are uh, able to construct magical items. They build and invent. Uh, they're your, they're your Tony Starks. They're, they're <laughs> your, uh, you know, uh, Belle's father from from Beauty and the Beast. Like your your sort of mad inventors who also channel magic to create unusual contraptions. 
And those are the 13 classes you can choose from. Wow. Each of those has like a lot of variability within it, right. mm-hmm. but those are like the broad stroke ideas. Right. So even within each class, there's like subclasses and archetypes and all of those things that you take when mm-hmm. you get to different levels that really cause a variety. So for example, in Ranger alone, I chose Beastmaster, which is the one that allowed me to have a companion, um, an animal companion. Um, you don't necessarily have to choose that type. You can go deep into just being a normal ranger and just be like an ex, like a sharpshooter essentially and being really, really good at that. Or maybe you want to be more of a ranger who's melee, who's up in the heat of the battle and want to wield two weapons. Um, that's an option too. So it's like, even though there's only 13 classes, each one of those classes has a million varieties within it. And of course, the personality of your character dictates a lot as well, at least... I prefer to play to what my character would do versus what's Mm -hmm. necessarily the best possible option for the game. I think it's more fun to be like, well, would my character do this? Probably not. So even though my character is very stealthy and could probably steal things off of a million people if she really wanted to, that's not who she is. She wouldn't do that. Mm, So I don't do that. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm so, Jess. Was your um? Have you never played as a rogue before? Because I feel like that would totally that be your was, vibe. That was what um in the community building um D and D podcast. Mm. My character was a rogue. Yes. Okay. Right. She's yeah. Sneaky. Yeah. She's she's snuck. Uh, she really stuck with me. I don't even I don't remember her name, but she stuck Branny. with me. That one. Yeah. Oh, she Branny the mohawk. Brash. Yeah. yeah. Branny the Brash with her mohawk. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She's an assassin. Too. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> um, if I were to lean towards something for my potential character, mm. I would definitely want something magic y. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm still sticking towards a cleric type or wizard or sorcerer type, one of mm-hmm. one of those. Something magic y. Um, I, I do like the magic. Um Jess, I found a like astrological sign and I've seen those. I've seen those. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So um I so it looks like a Pisces is a cleric, no? Wizard or warlock. Okay. Um we got a Leo as a fighter. Yeah, they're up front melee. Surprise, surprise. Um, Austin, when's what was your sign? When's your birthday? Uh, I'm a Capricorn. A Cap, a, we love Caps. Mm-hmm. Love Cap. Uh, sorcerer mm-hmm. for you, apparently. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Well, I do love the magic too. Mm-hmm. I, I can run with that. I, I I wouldn't necessarily call myself an inherently magical person, but you know, if someone wants to put that label on me, I won't say no. <laughs> Very I like good. the option of magic. That's I think that's another thing about rangers I really like, and a lot of classes um, are kind of multi-purpose, and that you get a little bit of everything. Because I think it's it's fun if you really enjoy like the role-playing aspect of Dungeons and Dragons. I think it's really fun to describe how magic is happening. Right, you're the one who's in control, so you get mm-hmm. to describe how whatever your whatever spell you're casting is going to look, which I think is really fun. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Uh, shall we get into the Dawson's Creek of it all? Um, how this portion I'm thinking is going to go is we'll go character by character. We'll kind of describe uh, the characters as we know them so far. This is only up through a little bit into season two. So we're still getting to know a lot of these characters. But um, I think a lot of them we know pretty well by now. Um, and then I think, Austin, you're going to suggest maybe a race and a class uh, that you think most fits them. We do have some feedback um, from some listeners that we can also throw in as well. Um, first up, of course, we got to go with Dawson. The Creek's named after him. Got to go main lead character Dawson Creek, uh, Dawson's Creek, Dawson Leary. Uh, we have here he is emotional obsessed with filmmaking and Spielberg very obsessed with Spielberg his entire room is covered in you know um, it's a creepy dusty crusty room (laughs) it's very creepy yeah uh he's a bit of self-obsessed a bit judgy and he is also a hopeless romantic if it helps you to think astrologically we definitely think he is uh Pisces water sign one thousand million percent I also so Austin you did watch one episode of Dawson's Creek I would also like mm. to know like what your first impressions of <laughs> each of these characters are if you remember them so uh so I uh watched the the season two premiere that is the only episode of Dawson's Creek I have seen um <laughs> Uh, a few days ago, I, I told Jess that I didn't know what I was expecting, but it was exactly what I was expecting at the same time uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after watching it. Um, <laughs> insofar as Dawson, um, it's, it's going to sound so shallow, but like his voice was much higher than I expected. Uh, <laughs> it was much squeakier <laughs> than I expected from, <laughs> from the, it's a from whiny. the images I'd seen. Yeah. It's a little whiny. Um, I mean, he, he struck me as very earnest, very, uh, you know, I mean, the, the description that you get, just gave is pretty much what I pulled out of it right away. Um, I don't know why I was expecting to, like, really not like him, just, like, from just general perception of what I knew. And I was like, yeah, he's a little weird, but, like, I'm not, like, right out of the gate disliking him. Um, he's just feels overly earnest <laughs> but mm-hmm. maybe that would change yep. if i see more than just a single episode <laughs> he's pretty he's not bad in season two actually no season two he's gotten better season we're one, not that he mad was at pretty him. infuriating most of the time yeah but yeah <laughs> fair enough <laughs> so what do you think uh race and class wise for him should i should i give a guess Oh yes, I, Sarah, I go ahead and guess point. before. I'm, I'm yeah. curious to sort of see what you what you would go with more familiar familiarity with the character. I feel like that makes sense to kind of throw it to you guys first and are we and doing kind of so are we doing yeah. Yeah. So am I giving him a race or a class? You could do both if you want. I mean Dawson's yeah. a human. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving like the most boring option possible. He's a human. <laughs> He's a human. That's right. Oh my god. 
Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with that answer. <laughs> uh, and I would. What do you think, Austin? I, I sorry. I was gonna say. I think that is that that tracks for what for what I've seen. One of the things about humans in D and D, the one of the things that like is intended to like make them more than just like the ordinary thing is that they have like versatility and they have like uh, a focal point like they get uh like they're really good at certain things um they're adaptable but like they hone in on like certain things to advance themselves and that's why humans as a race can compete with like elves that live hundreds of years is that they're adaptable they're ever changing mm-hmm. they're like they burn bright and fast and this idea of like dawson being uh you know, a bit milk toast, a bit ordinary, <laughs> but having this like focused point that he's like super obsessed around filmmaking, that strikes me as a very human thing. That he is like is obsessed with something new and developing this like relatively new technology. You know, he wants to be this creative. That tracks. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking I'm kind of leaning towards Bard because he's obviously he wants to entertain like with his mm-hmm. you know artistic f- filmmaking and I guess the closest stuff thing to that is maybe a bard um I don't know what are you guys thinking yeah um actually Todd our friend Todd uh says I don't want Dawson to be a bard just because I don't want bards to be associated with him but Dawson is 100% a bard <laughs> oh winner winner <laughs> I think I think off the cuff that makes a lot of sense you know like you say he's a creative he's got this idea of wanting to kind of uh sort of share a couple things that I would like to sort of throw out as a sort of question to kind of decide if this really is the best spot for him do we say that Dawson is a charismatic person is he someone that is like his personality has a degree of magnetism to it or is he not really? In I that think sort he of tries to be. He thinks that he is, he but he's he not. Is. Yes. Like he wouldn't be, Austin, he wouldn't be like an eight charisma guy, but like he mm-hmm. thinks he's like max charisma and he's not. <laughs> yeah. He he's he kind of repels people, actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's charismatic in its own way. Um, <laughs> the 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 anti charisma. Well, mechanically speaking, when we're talking about D and D, bards need high charisma um, to be like effective mm. characters. And I think what we want to be doing with this uh, with this exercise is like we're trying to cast these characters into an adventuring party. We want them to be like mm-hmm. successful at what they are in this space. <laughs> so if Dawson thinks he's charismatic but maybe isn't, we might want to like maybe put a bit of a pin on Bard and like have a think about whether we can slot him in somewhere else that's less charismatic um yeah because as we said before we've got flexibility so let's see go ahead Mm -hmm. he also doesn't have any qualms with like throwing a random punch to just like he has punched two people yeah he has punched two people He doesn't mind getting into a fight, and it's usually over a lady. So he's kind of like, I don't know, like, is he kind of like more like of a... Like a fighter? Of Like a... But not as zesty as a fighter. He's What's not a barbarian. Bo- he doesn't have the rage quality. Like, like is a paladin just like a standard, <gasps> like, go to... Go you do my what? job and 
Yeah. I could see paladin because paladins are kind of like, oh, a knight in shining armor, if you think mm. about it. And like, I could see him like wanting to be, because we always joke that Dawson thinks he's like the nicest guy ever. Like he calls himself a nice guy, but nice guys don't really call themselves nice guys <laughs> most of the time. Um, I could totally see paladin for Dawson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So paladins are, you know, tend to be sort of focused around um, strength and charisma. Those are like their two like abilities that are really high. So like we still got a bit of charisma there, but even though he's maybe a yeah. little lower on that front. Um, so the, the of, of sort of leaning into the, the sort of the physical strength, he's throwing around punches. <laughs> that, that kind mm-hmm. of uh, tracks a little bit. Um, this idea of uh, sort of commitment to some ideal, because um, that's the big thing about paladins is that they you know, when they take their subclass, when they kind of determine like their their like focal point, they they swear an oath, um, uh, an oath of of conquest or devotion or glory or vengeance. They kind of like commit themselves to pursuing an ideal. So I think if we can kind mm. of land on what what Dawson's oath might be, then that could potentially draw some into this paladin category. Um, like, also, he's very much like, you know, I need to find, like, my one true love. Like, you know what I mean? He has, like, a a lot of passion. Yeah. He's, like, I don't know. Like, if he, he, his goal would totally be, like, to save a damsel in distress. Like, that's what he would love to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The other one that Tom Palmer wrote in uh, and and said for Dawson, he thinks he's an ASMR cleric with the god he worships being Spielberg. Uh, he wants to be a bard, but he doesn't have the charisma for it. Um, and he's an ASMR because if you've seen James Vanderbeek's family, there's definitely some angel blood in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of like cherub children. <laughs> yeah. I talk about that so much. Mm-hmm. Tons of cherub children, little blonde babies. Yeah. <laughs> Cleric is an interesting one. I was actually just sort of starting to sort of wonder if we we kind of lean into that that filmmaking aspect and his obsession with Spielberg in some way, like cleric fits well yeah. with him kind of like ascribing his, you know, his focus on Spielberg. Uh, I presume that Spielberg hasn't responded to any of Dawson's fan letters that we could say that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that Dawson has made a pact with Spielberg to become a warlock. Yeah. Um, the other I'm pretty thing sure that, that Spielberg of, sent yeah. a cease and desist to the to the creek. <laughs> like, please leave me out of this, please. please um, but I could totally see Dawson as like a cleric who like saves the other party members, and he's like, "Do you remember the time I saved you? Do you do you remember? I saved you. I saved you though." <laughs> the the other thing that does crop up to me and like i don't know if it's the right call would be artificer because artificers are you know creative in their own way but they're making something physical like is he mm, like is his movie. filmmaking like an ideal or is he actually like a competent filmmaker for like being a student i wish we knew he made a movie we've never <gasps> seen it it got brought up a lot in season one and then all of a sudden we have not seen this film he was supposed to go to like a film like award thing the boston film festival and then we never saw it it happen, never happened so we don't know if he's a good filmmaker hmm. <laughs> he does make films okay <laughs> kind of okay mm-hmm. well i i feel like i feel like 
Bard makes a lot of sense, like on the surface, but I think as we dig deeper, I think we're looking at something like, like cleric, maybe paladin. Um, given his sort of like staunch ideals you know he might not necessarily be the like the the true knight in shining armor but he sees himself that way uh maybe what we do now is we kind of like put like a little bit of a pin in it because we want to sort of fill out the adventuring party and if like one of the other characters really fits a cleric then maybe that shifts dawson to a paladin or vice versa like let's sort of look at the end point a little bit so human yeah and sounds great somewhere human in paladin cleric, cleric at the moment yeah yeah i dig that i love it okay uh sarah do you want to take the next character on the list moving on to my girl joey potter the cream of the crop my queen she is proud she um is smart determined she's stubborn her main goal is to get out of her small town out of the creek um gotta get out um austin what do you did you have any initial thoughts on joey i mean the the episode that i saw she was very like you know sort of head in the clouds post kiss and was kind of like anxious about what it all means and like so she struck me as someone yeah. who was um you know very sort of wide-eyed and sort of trying to catch her catch herself in figuring out where things were going um right. so yeah i don't know if it was the best like uh portrayal of who joey is i feel like it wasn't like that was the vibe i got was like this feels like a very specific point in joey's story that isn't necessarily representative of her as a whole which i'm gathering from the the, nodding is is the case yeah i don't think it's the best character episode for her personally i think there's a lot more episodes that you really get to see who joey is and that is just because it was coming at a moment like after this huge moment Mm -hmm. in the season Mm -hmm. finale where she kissed dawson and it was like this whole big thing yeah, I'd say she's definitely not as... I mean, she definitely thinks a lot all the time and overthinks and overanalyzes. But I also don't think that's the necessarily the best representative that's of true. who she is. Plus, she didn't know if she was going to go to Paris or not. Oh, God. Yeah, that whole thing. Um, No, but Joey's very, like, you know, she can be very stubborn. Um, mm-hmm. She you know can be she's trying to better herself or like find herself in this season two in particular so she's spending a lot of time being like what am I meant to do who am I meant to be what are my goals like we she knows that she wants to be successful but she doesn't quite know what that looks like at this point and she's right now she's getting really into art that's like her newest thing okay um one other thing that I don't know if it's important to mention but like she is not your typical like girly girl. She usually dresses in more like comfortable, almost looking like like men's hand me down type of clothes, more of like what you'd see in a movie of like a girl next door. Like she's obviously gorgeous, but she's not one to cake on a ton of makeup or anything like that. Yeah, she's sarcastic. She likes to run away a lot. She runs a lot. <laughs> she's <laughs> always just she running. loves to run. She can so, row a rowboat too. We know that. Yeah, she's strong she, um, core, strong arms. Strong arms. <laughs> so, um, I'm thinking that 
she's tall, so she's definitely not like mm-hmm. a small character. Like she's not yes. like lanky. a dwarf or a gnome or a halfling. She's lanky. So like I'm kind of like going towards like elves look pretty tall, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they can be. Yeah, I think they can, yeah. they can be. Mm, they can be. Yeah, elf was what I was sort of leaning towards, but I was sort of wondering maybe rather than a full-blooded elf, would she be a half elf, like uh, sort of in between, uh, you know, the the elven lineage and the human lineage? She's kind of like caught in between two worlds. Yes. You know, doesn't fit you into Dawson's oh. Creek. She wants to get, you know, head somewhere yes. else. Like, is that something that tracks? That is yes. spot on because she comes from like a really tough family upbringing like her dad's in jail her mom died from cancer and everyone looks at her like this kind of like um like white trash I don't mean to say you know what I mean I don't like that word but it's they look at her in that way but she's really smart and she's doing her best to get out of Dawson's Creek and kind of Mm -hmm. change that perspective of her I think half elf is perfect I think that fits her so well yeah that's a good one I'm happy Perfect. Look at that. We're really like the the races are very easy, I think, for us so far. <laughs> well, I mean, we're on number two, Jess. Well, I know, but human we got right away too with Dawson. That was easy though. He's milk. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah. For class, class a I feel like yeah. yeah. She's definitely more of like a fighter type of type, mm-hmm. I feel. She'll like. get in and get scrappy. I would definitely put her as more melee mm-hmm. than I although mm-hmm. Although, Sarah, she can be, like, sarcastic and scrappy. Yeah. So even, like, a sneaky type, like a rogue, maybe, for her. But maybe she's not at that sneaky. Hmm. Maybe she's more like a ranger. Is that range and melee, like, mixed? Um, is, that, is the ranger the one with the arrows? Yes. Like an archery person. Are they good at running? Well, they elves probably are because they're, yeah, running is more like your speed is usually determined by your um, race rather than your class. Well, okay. the thing that, the one that immediately jumped to mind and when you guys, when Jess mentioned, you know, something sort of melee, scrappy, up in your face, I'm thinking monk. So monks... As they oh, level up, yes. they get faster and faster and faster. They like they're able to like run huge distances in short short amount of time. They're kind of uh, yes. you know because they're you know martial artists. They're up close. They're they're a little like often acrobatic in the way that they fight. So they're a little like unexpected in the way that they move and interact. Yes. The thing that I would sort of want to like touch on if, if monk is the right call is that monks tend to be quite centered in their sense of self um you know a lot of their abilities are channeled through key uh through connection to their life energy and the life energy of others mm-hmm. does that feel like something that kind of in a way could fit onto joey or is she more distant centered. uh and sort of self-preserving She's... in which case ranger might be the better call Ooh, she's definitely more self-preserving in that, like, she's always afraid of getting hurt. Like, I feel like she, mm. she's had that past of being hurt so many times that she tends to be quite guarded and kind of keep a wall up. Um, but what I like what you said about Monk is, for anybody who's watched Critical Role uh, Campaign 2, uh, character Bo comes to mind. And Bo's character, very sarcastic, very brash, very, like, 
terrible charisma. Like she's she's very funny, and I can totally see the connections between her and Joey. But Sarah, what do you think? Do you think she fits more in a ranger because she does? She is more like in self preservation mode a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. I do think that's a big aspect of her character right now, at um, least. Right now, at least. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we do the we'll do we'll leave it for now and come back when we decide how we need to fill out our party. Because okay. I agree, I think both Monk and Ranger could fit her. Oh my god, I'd be so happy to have her among the Ranger Plate family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think she tracks either of those. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, I think both of those would fit her. Uh, next up, we have the fun-loving Pacey. Um, Pacey is mischievous. He's a yes man. He's a jokester. He can be insecure, which is why he jokes a lot of the times. Uh, he has a kind of some family issues and he's looked at as the black sheep of his family. Um, but he, he loves a good laugh. Um, what did you think of Pacey in, in your watch, Austin? So I'm a, I'm a big fan of Fringe. So I love me some Joshua Jackson. Um, did not love the frosted tips. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you only had them for one episode. Thank God. Um, oh, that's so oh, bad. Um, but Pacey struck me as like, <laughs> yeah, I can certainly feel that that sort of jokester best friend vibe. Um, you know, mm-hmm. look, honestly, didn't love uh, his interactions with with Andy. Was it? Um, thought they were kind of a bit yes, douchey. Andy. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, I, I did enjoy the the dynamic of Pacey's sort of uh, attempt to better himself, attempt to try to sort of put himself out there. You know, he strikes me as a very charismatic mm-hmm. person, um, certainly compared to uh, to some of the other cast. Um, so I, I enjoyed Pacey in the small context mm-hmm. that I saw him in the very like specific context <laughs> that I saw him. Yeah, frosted tips are not his best look. No. Um, Sarah, what do you think for a race for Pacey? Um, I don't know, like a gremlin. Is gremlins, one of them, probably not. <laughs> Goblin is one. Like, what's like? Um, maybe the gnome. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. I like, could see that. There's a you know there's. You know, there's a there's a gnomish quality to to Joshua Jackson's kind of features, that sort of more rounded aspect. He sort of strikes me as the kind of character mm-hmm. that like thinks he's bigger than he is in the way that he like at least in the episode that I saw, like he's putting yeah. himself out there in a really big way that kind of exceeds what he can oh, actually yes. kind overly of confident do. Um, which I think tracks to like a lot of those like smaller uh small folk in D D. So something like a gnome or a halfling mm-hmm. I could see tracking. Uh, tracking pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's a bit um, softer than a dwarf might be. Mm. Um, so I think I agree that if we're looking at small folk, I would agree with like a gnome or a, a halfling. I could, you know what? I feel like halfling because he's super like hobbity. Like Sarah, if you've seen like Lord of the Rings, like you think of a hobbit, that's what a halfling is. And like he totally just like wants to drink and eat and have fun. Not for nothing, I did think that Joshua Jackson was in Lord of the Rings in our first episode. 
conversation. I was like, Sarah, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like Joshua Jackson. He's like in there. He's like that guy. No, she's <laughs> talking about Peter Jackson. Okay, but he also like and Peter Jackson. But also he reminds me of like Sam. Yep. Yeah. But not. I don't know. Yes. Yes. I was no. Like I can, I can see yeah. the. I can see the. He, he reminds me of like Marion Pippin, like in that sort of like kind of like yes. brash, kind of like not quite on the right level, like kind of doing some stuff that you're just like, oh, oh no, like think first. Yeah, stop it. Yeah, I, I think Halfling is a good pick. Yeah, I I love Halfling. I think we need to lock that in because I think that is very on on point. Yes. Okay, Halfling, it is then. Um, yes. And then would he be our bard? Is he the entertainer? He's very charismatic. Mm. Very charismatic. I feel like he loves to tell a story. He's very boastful. He's very cocky. Um, he's very funny. Yeah. I'm and I think he's excited. more of like a magical guy mm-hmm. than a fighter guy. Yeah. And he, he strikes me as like, you know, at least in the stunt that he pulled in the episode that I've seen, like, you know, he's he's willing to commit to a bit and kind of like try to use his words and performance to kind of like, you know, pull a prank. Yes. Like I can see him being the kind of person to be like, I'm going to go like charm the guard to get us past rather than like having to fight, you know, fight our way through. Yes. Um, oh, yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah. Sarah, the episode that he joined, there was like a beauty contest in the yes. town and he was yes. the only guy and there was no rule saying a guy couldn't join. So he he joined as a guy in a beauty contest. A bard would totally do that. Yeah, that that tracks there we go. I'm really well. I'm confident in this. Yeah. Yeah. Like curious. Mm-hmm. I question. feel like this is the most the one I'm mm-hmm. most confident mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. That lands Sorry, really smoothly for me. Um, what's his like? his storyline kind of been up to this point like what has he been like doing along the way like is there anything like in that okay. respect that yeah. could give us a question okay. over bard Can, uh, or confirm it okay so so in the first half of the season he had an affair with his teacher it was a mess it was oh, a boy. mess so that was a thing it was really in bad. the second half of the first season we just see him being like a fun-loving guy, like cracking jokes, like being mischievous, mm-hmm. like, you know, he's focused on um, like fr- his friendship with Dawson. And then he started getting like catching feelings a little bit for Joey. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But he didn't have like a big storyline in the mm-hmm. second, the first, the, the whole first season. We don't really like he's we a, didn't really know what he was yeah, up to. He's a bigger se- character in this season than he was in season okay. one. And we've learned a little bit more about like his family backstory. Um, we don't know anything about his mom. We just know that he has a bad relationship with both his father and his dad. They're both cops. And he his father is and his brother. I'm sorry. Yes, his father and his uh, brother, and they're both cops, and he's more of like a rule breaker. Um, they call him a low life a lot. Like you're like the black sheep of the family. Like you're the disgrace. You're a right. joke. Like shit like that. Right. But he's definitely the type to charm his way out of anything. Um, he's not necessarily good in school. Um, but he's very smart. He just doesn't try. So yeah. Uh, yeah. That's that's PC. Yeah. I think that tracks then. Like, um, you know, I I mean, I assume this this is a show that has so much romantic entanglement in it that you could kind of put anyone in that sort of stereotypical bard aspect of being a little on the (laughs) uh, romantic side. Um, But 
I think that still tracks really well with Pacey as a bard. You know, the idea that he's not necessarily in like, uh, you know, book smart, but he's sort of street smart. He's 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 wily. He's clever. Even yes, though yeah. bards, uh, like yes. subclasses, are called colleges, uh, and bards go to college at level three, and they when they kind of like hone in their mm-hmm. specialty, uh, you know, they're charismatic. You know, they're that's what they prize above like mm-hmm. straight intelligence. So I think bard feels like a really good fit for Pacey. I feel like mm-hmm. I feel really confident in that. Yeah, space. Tom Palmer. I do too. Tom Palmer disagrees, though. He says Ooh. Pacey is a half orc paladin uh he Hmm. says as a half orc he is something of a brutish exterior but a paladin but as a paladin he reveals that he's got a lot of charisma and also the strength and constitution to take an emotional beating um he does have some roguish personality traits but unlike a rogue pacey attacks problems more directly so he's a paladin i like that argument but i i still think that we have it with a bard i like the argument though tom i do yeah i can i can see it i i yeah, I mean, I I can definitely see the roguish side. And actually, like, I could David see him, agrees. I could see him being quite a charismatic rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, like, because you know, not all rogues are your like sneaky thieves and and assassins. Like, you do have like your you know swashbuckler pirate types would be rogues. Um, so like, there's a lot of room mm-hmm. for like flair and drama in rogues as well. Like, I could kind of see him in that space. But I don't know Paladin's one that. I don't quite see, but, but I, I also might not know the character well enough. I do think yeah. I like I like Paladin for him too, but like I'm looking at the rest of our characters and I just think of all of them, especially if we're trying to round out a good crew, I feel like he is the bard in the group. Like it's not a question. There's nobody else that would fit that description better than Pacey, I think. Cool. Um, Sarah. Do you want to explain our next character? Okay, we got Jen. Now, Jen is, when you meet Jen Austin, she's in the middle of going through it. But we first meet Jen, and she's very emotionally intelligent. Like, she has a past. Like, she's from New York. She's, like, an ex-party girl. And she's spending, like, the first season, like, Wanting to like break out of her bad habits and become better. Um, and she's like very emotionally intelligent. Like we first meet her and she's very like, you know, like she's kind to others. She's trying to make friends. But um, as the like as we've been watching, we've been seeing like a very like downward trajectory for Jen like she's um you know she breaks up with Dawson in the middle of the first season and then she wants Dawson back so she's like kind of being indecisive and then she in the second season we see her like spiraling she kind of makes friends with like the wrong crowd and um she's starting to go back to her old New York City ways but in general at Jen's best self, she's open-minded, she's kind, and she cares about other people. But we're kind of seeing Jen at her worst right now. Mm-hmm. That was my impression. Again, watching that, the, watching a single episode, I was like, oh, I feel like this is a really rough spot to try to make a call on who Jen is. Um, yeah. 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 And she got <laughs> a terrible a haircut. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so um, bad. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. That's that's a tricky one. the The immediate thing that jumps to mind for for what you sort of mentioned about her being from like out of town and you know coming to Dawson's Creek as a little bit of a stranger in the first season 
is that maybe we want to look at a um, a race that is less common. Maybe we want to look at something that's a little rarer, a little stranger um, to kind of put her in the mix. Unless you guys have a really strong idea of where you'd go with maybe some of the more traditional fantasy races. No, I like that. I don't I like know what, that. Is, what um... I would do, though. <laughs> that's, that's as far as I got. <laughs> I'm thinking... I'm thinking like, so she, even though she tries to make friends with people, she seems to be alone a lot, especially lately, mm, like a little okay. bit more of a loner. So like, I'm wondering, and I don't know if tabaxis are loners, Ooh. but I'm thinking because they're cat people, maybe they are. <laughs> <laughs> That's certainly an option. <laughs> the one that just jumped to my mind hmm. are changelings. So changelings are uh, creatures that have the ability to, like, yes. you know, change their appearance at will. Like, they can transform themselves to look like someone else. Get a crappy haircut. Yeah. And I wonder <laughs> if that sort of tracks with this idea of, of Jen kind of being a little bit of a loner, kind of being, like, a little, like, disconnected. But, you know, you know having this, like very different perspective like very different personality in new york she's trying to reinvent herself in dawson's creek but then she's like going through all this literal change that is like you know again so like mm -hmm. changing who she yes. is and like she's constantly in this state of flux and like uncertainty about who she is like i feel like that's a very changeling that's so thing. true Yes. That is spot on. That's spot on because she is really like, even from episode to episode, she's like kind of just changing like who she is and what she wants. And like, yeah. even in our latest episodes, like we've seen her like kind of be like a bad girl. And then like in the latest episode where she goes to the dance, it's like, she's like, no, like I kind of want to be friends with like the creek creeps again. And like, mm -hmm. I want to like, you know, fit in with them. So like, I can definitely, I think this is, I kind of love this idea I of think like it's the perfect. changeling. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really The minute good. you said it, I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot those were a thing. <laughs> that is so perfect that it fits her. Yeah. And I think the yeah, thing that with that changelings is they, because they can look like other people, like they, she can look normal. She can look like she blends in, but there's something still like unusual about her. Um, Very different that, about her. That's yeah. 100%. She's always going to be an outsider because she's from New York. Yeah. Yep. That's her. Bingo. I love that. Um, and then for a class, um, I'm trying to think. Um, I kind of want to save more the healer type mm -hmm. for another character, okay. but that's mm -hmm. my first initial thought of like a more of like a healer type of thing. But I think that there's one person that fits it a little bit better. I think she's too self-interested mm. to be like a cleric or a healer. I think, um, like a I do sorcerer. I was gonna, I was gonna lean magic. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, I think like a sorcerer or like a wizard or something like that, maybe. So what's the difference between a sorcerer, a warlock, and a wizard? They sound yeah. like they're very, very they're very similar. similar. And the is, thing like, that, is there a witch? Um, I mean, there there would be. You could absolutely draw up witches um, in sort of any of these three. Really, the thing that distinguishes these three classes is where their magic comes from. So sorcerers are born with it. It's something mm. that's innate to them. It's in their blood. Um, you know, it's there from birth, or it's like activated in some way in a very internal way. Um, warlocks make or gain their magic through making a bargain with some powerful entity. So there's usually some like power dynamic in that respect. Um, mm. Warlocks often like are a little darker in their kind of like flavoring because of that, because there's this like deal mm. uh, sort of aspect to their magic. Um, 
but they can be quite you know varied in that as well depending on who they've made a made a deal with and wizards learn their magic through like the old-fashioned way they they're intelligent studious Mm -hmm. they study for their magic um and sort of learn it through spell books and you know sort of traditional learning they're they're your harry potters uh, i'm leaning towards yes yes i'm leaning towards warlock what do you think jess yes she has like a dark past like we always talk about her dark myth past yeah. And I feel like the warlock fits with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we know much about what her yeah. past is, or is it just kind of like mysterious in the background? We know. We basically know that she got. She was into like alcohol, mm-hmm. maybe drugs, mm-hmm. and she was like sleeping around with a lot of guys. Like we think she comes from like wealth or something, and she was discovered having sex on her parents' bed, and so she got shipped off to Dawson's Creek to live with her grandmother. Yeah. I think that tracks. I think that that idea of of a warlock where Jen is made, you know, in the past she's made this pact with, you know, some, you know, entity of debauchery and, you know, like high living mm-hmm. in New York, like an arch fay that's kind of like yeah. all about just like following your hedonistic urges. And she's still bound to that. She's trying to like mm-hmm. reinvent herself, separate from herself from that. But she's still tied to that, tied to that pact that she made. So yes. she's trying to like figure yes. out like uh you know without getting too deep into the D of it all there's a possibility as you level up to like move into a different class in something that's called multi-classing so like maybe down the line you know at the season five gen she's multi-classed away from warlock and into something else maybe she has become more of a healer by that point mm. i don't know where the show goes but i think yes. she starts at this point i feel like yeah. warlock fits yeah i do yeah, too. yeah. i like and- it for her and she even like was getting back to the dark side this mm. up uh, the season. So it, like it. Yeah. the dark mm-hmm. side was like luring her back in. So yeah. I think that totally fits. Yep. And Tom was with us on at least a magic user. He had her as a sorcerer. Um, so I feel like that's close to what we had. He also had it as a tabaxi. That's funny. I didn't even hey. I didn't even read this ahead of time. Tabaxi are like cat people, and I see Jen as being smart and thoughtful like a cat. Yeah. So and I like I like changing the warlock. I think that fits her perfectly. Um, okay. Let's go into Grams. So I believe this is probably the character that Sarah was referring to when she thought of a cleric, possibly. Um, she's, uh, so she's Jen's grandmother. Mm -hmm. She's conservative, very religious, very cranky, very strict, but she used to be a nurse. Um, in all of season one, she is taking care of her husband who has been in a coma for a few months. Um, and she takes care of him at home all on her own. Uh, until Jen moves in with her, um, and yeah, that that's that's Grams. She she worships a god, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> we know that much about her. Uh, so that is Grams. Yeah, um, I'm thinking like I don't know. That's what is she like? A, a tortoise? <laughs> a tortoise? <laughs> she a turtle? <laughs> I mean, she could be. <laughs> Uh, she could also be a tabaxi because she can be like temperamental like cats <laughs> oh yeah maybe, maybe. <laughs> she's definitely some sort of animal mm-hmm. human cross of some sort <laughs> i mean i think i think i could see either of those those sort of fit the uh feel like they fit like the 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 turtle, um, you know, they, they carry their home with them. It's on their back. You know, if she's kind of been at home for a long time, she's kind of been like sort of stuck in this space. 
um you know she's sort of comfortable in where mm. she is even though it's been hard um i feel like a turtle could kind of fit that but i like that idea as well there being if she's a bit temperamental like maybe tabaxi is a better fit where she kind of seems soft and cuddly at times but then the claws come out at others um and she mm-hmm. can kind of have that yeah. harsher edge yeah she's that's true yeah she's she's very like pushy about her religion as well as she pushes it on jen a lot um so i don't know if that helps at all but that is something that she she's very insistent about it um yeah i'm happy i'm happy with either of those picks honestly i think it's very funny to have her as a turtle (laughs) (laughs) well she's old turtle tortoises are always old yeah that's true that's true i don't know austin Austin, do you want to break the tie yeah you break the tie Uh. what do you think Oh, this is really tough. Like, because like I love the mental uh, the mental picture of the turtle more, but at least in like the very little bit I've seen of her, she feels a little <laughs> soft. Like there there is that softer edge to her that um that I feel like it's actually okay. might be the better fit. Though I oh, I, I love the turtle. Okay. <laughs> I think they're both fantastic. I do think they're very yeah. funny either way. We'll do the tabaxi. We'll give it to the tabaxis. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll All never right. forget the turtles. There you go. We won't. We can't forget uh, teenage mutant ninja grams. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, regret that cool. So I think then for <laughs> for her class, mm. I, Sarah, was this the one you were thinking of as a cleric because she's a nurse? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I mean honestly, I think that fits. I think like she's a little bit spicy, but she ultimately does want to help jen and heal jen and heal others she's a nurse but yeah the the thing about clerics is like obviously traditionally they are tied to tied to religion very strongly and, and most clerics will be but like that's not their sole defining thing it, it's more about how they then channel mm. that you know that devotion into something else like you can have clerics that serve like you know gods that are about like healing and nurturing but you can also have clerics of war gods that are all about destruction and and uh that sort of thing Mm -hmm. so clerics can span a really Mm -hmm. wide range but this idea of what you're sort of putting putting out there of of her being the sort of nurturing person that does sort of have that harder edge that lands really well with the cleric who is still like good in melee and can like smash someone's head in with a mace easily <laughs> in battle as well as healing their friends yeah so that feels like a good fit for me yeah i agree and i think too it's the fact that clerics worship something and it's like well we know she worships worships jesus so <laughs> that does fit <laughs> the shoe fits Perfect. uh sarah do you want to take on our next character Yes, we have Andy. So Andy's a new character for season two. She is um, neurotic. She's a bit of a fast talker. She loves the bands. Um, <laughs> she's the support system for her family. So we learn in season two that her family lost her elder brother. And because of this, her father became distant, like stopped um being a part of the family, it's like the pain's too hard. Plus, in addition, her mother is um really emotionally scarred and she goes in and out of reality of is her son, Andy's brother, really dead or is he alive? So she 
has to take on um, a role of supporting her mother and supporting her family. And um, especially she, her brother, Jack, who is also a new character for season two, um, kind of doesn't live in like he his response is to like push it away while she is the one that's like keeping everybody together. Mm-hmm. So she's the glue. Yeah. She's she's the glue. Um and she's a new love interest for Pacey. Mm-hmm. I mm. heard that they are the best couple ever, even though I'm not supposed to spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I keep hearing on the streets. I mean, um, I can see it. So in there. My... <laughs> yeah, it's it's not a bad it's not a bad spoiler. My girl Andy, um, I don't know. She's a bit of a, f- of a like she's fun. Like you know, she's, she's spunky. I think she she's needs spunky like, too. A spunky yeah. race. Yeah. Yeah. So my my first thought when you were sort of mentioning the idea of like keeping like the family together like being like big on that side of things was actually to go back to halfling again um or at least towards another sort of smaller folk um maybe something sort of spunkier like a gnome Ooh. has a bit more like oh what what have you got i was just gonna say yeah what about a gnome because yeah. gnomes yeah. are also very mm-hmm. family oriented yep. and they're big 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 on family especially like little forest gnomes and they they are spunky there, I mean, at least my age. She's very enthusiastic, <laughs> and she has a lot of energy, which I think are, yeah. like, two qualities of gnomes, according to this player's handbook mm-hmm. that I have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you have it pulled yeah, up. I, I love them for her. Uh, yeah. There it is. Uh, yeah. There it is. I, I think gnomes perfect. Like, uh, like just no, says, like, they're... You know, they are very family oriented. A lot of them are also very like curious and like lively. And, you know, one of the things that I love about uh, gnomes that it sort of mentions in the player's handbook is like they, you know, have like a million different names and they choose the one that's the most fun to like use. Like they have this like bubbliness to them. Yeah. This uh, this wit and clever cleverness to them. And that sounds like it's fitting Andy really well. Also, another small folk to match with 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 Halfling Pacey, so that works well. <laughs> yes, and Sarah. One of the other things I just thought about this moment was so gnomes they live in the forest, right? But like they're so small and they need to protect their communities, so they usually cast like a spell to to kind mm-hmm. of hide where they live. Andy spent half the <gasps> season trying to keep Pacey away from her house so he wouldn't oh, meet her mom. Oh yeah, like, that's such a well fun fits. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, no, that's perfect. Oh my gosh, yes, Andy is. Oh my god, she's one of me. <laughs> Yay, Andy is a gnome. Perfect. Yay, I love, yeah. I love that. I love that for you. Mm-hmm. I love that a lot. Um. Okay. So, what do we think? What do we think? Uh. Uh, class wise what do you think about a monk for her yeah i think she would be melee she's she's very in your face like she's not gonna she's not gonna hold anything back that's for sure and oh my god the way she so austin she's very like witty mm-hmm. and she talks like a mile a minute and i'm just thinking like fu- fury oh, oh, blows oh, yes you know what yeah. i mean like physically. yeah 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 so yeah monks you know one of their like key abilities is like to be able to just like punch a whole bunch like in in their single turn like they can they can do more attacks than most other people in a turn with an ability literally called flurry of blows i think that tracks really well like also that idea that we were kind of discussing with joey about like is joey like centered enough and like connected in enough 
Andy is. Like, if she's, like, the one that's the glue between her family, Mm -hmm. she's the one that's kind of has that sort of insightfulness. You know, you need to be insightful to have quick wit. Um, Like, Monk Mm -hmm. feels like a good fit for Andy, and then that puts Ranger for Joey, which I feel like was where I was sort of starting to lean anyway. I think that fits so like, better. I think that's a really good combo. Yeah, that makes a lot that's of really sense. Combo. Oh. A no monk. I that love is that. Awesome. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> so for Tom, Tom thought Andy is an elven wizard because she studies. Because <laughs> she loves to study. She does she love does to love study. study. Ooh, that is true. That's, she loves that's study. true. true. Like, we, we should give that some thought. But she's... But, uh, yeah, she is obsessed with she's obsessed with getting good grades, but I I still think she needs to be someone who's she she cannot hold back. She's not someone who's going to be at the at the edge of the circle of fighting. Mm. You know what I mean? She's going to get in there and get, get dirty. So I think that's more of a monk. Yeah, I think so. I'm I'm yeah. good with that. Um me too. Oh my gosh, I love this. Yes. Um okay, so next up we have Andy's brother Jack. Sarah already mentioned him a little bit. Um, so he's uh, Andy's mm-hmm. older brother. He's very clumsy. He works with Joey at the restaurant and he's like a terrible waiter. <laughs> he's very, very clumsy. But it turns out he's actually quite artistic. Um, he's a really big fan of of art and uh, he's very, very deep, um, very romantic, very quiet, okay. though. He doesn't say much. He's very observant. Um, and he's quite the loner. Andy is the way more outgoing one of the two. And she always tries to pull him into like, like she wanted to hook him up with Jen at the dance. She just wants him to be included. And like Sarah said, with their brother's death, he was the one to kind of put up walls and pretend it didn't happen. And just kind of like he he's obviously working to support the family. But honestly, I think a lot of it is he's working so that he doesn't have to be home dealing with with his mother who's going through some stuff. Um, so that is kind of Jack in a nutshell. He's currently in a, you know, he likes Joey. Uh, she broke up with Dawson. It's a whole thing. Um, obviously, you know, the romantic entanglements are a given in a teen drama. Um, so that is kind of Jack in a nutshell. What were, what was your impression? Did, was Jack even he wasn't in, in the first he wasn't episode? In the, uh, in the season two premiere. No, he wasn't. We just yeah. got to meet Andy. I didn't think so. He comes in the next episode. So yeah, yeah I'm flying blind. Um, on yeah. Can Sarah, he be our turtle? <laughs> well, I mean, if he's if he's retreating into his shell, if he's sort of putting up the walls, like he could be a turtle. <laughs> oh my god, it's brilliant! He's also if he if he's kind of brilliant. quiet and like you know sort of introspective, like I feel like that sort of suits the like the mm-hmm. quietness of a turtle, the slow movingness, like. I feel like a turtle could work. That's so true. The I really like turtle. It took him shell. a while to make a move on Joey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It took him a while to make a move on Joey, and it was because there was like a full moon, or at least that's like what they <laughs> excused it as. <laughs> the fucking full moon. Actually, full what moon. class slash race is fully affected by the full moon? I mean, a uh, half, uh, uh, what's shifter. it called? A shifter. Um, so shifters are, like, they're not affected <gasps> by the full moon as such, but, like, they have, like, lycanthropic werewolf-type blood in their in their lineage. So yeah. that's sort of the closest. But I was hmm. thinking lone wolf. So maybe, maybe a shifter, if not a turtle. Yeah. But... Yeah, I'm not Austin, quite what sure. do you think? Because you play a shifter. So yeah, what do you think like, of the between a turtle and a shifter? Which and I mean, like, I play a very like quiet and reserved kind of shifter who's more comfortable on his own with his you know, myriad of dogs than than other people and trying to figure stuff out. 
So like certainly could make him a shifter. Mm-hmm. I think that could work. I think, you know, as we're kind of looking at more abstractions at this point, the question would be, does uh, does Jack have like not a full like split personality, but do we see like multiple sides of him? Or is he kind of like I will say so Sarah doesn't know much about Jack yet because he just got introduced in season two and we've mm. only seen a few episodes with him really even being a presence. I will say, knowing the whole mm. series, I might lean okay. shifter because I do think there's like a lot more brewing under the surface there that we just okay. haven't seen yet. I like that. I know you want to make the turtle happen. <laughs> We'll just we'll just do it. We'll do a set with everyone as turtles. Everyone can be turtles. <laughs> okay. Everyone, okay. everyone can yeah. be the creek. Uh, it's right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, the we creek is creek. the turtle. Um, uh, or there's a lot of turtles within yeah. the creek swim, swimming <laughs> about. Okay. Fine. Fine. I ex- I accept it. The shifter. Mm-hmm. Um. Now his class. Mm-hmm. Huh. It's a it's a hard mm, one. I mean, only one. because he's probably av- the entire lot. I feel like I know the least about Jack. Yeah, and that's why he's it's a little character. bit hard for me. Um, but he is. I would. S- hmm. Is he a paladin? I don't think he's no. Because no. I think that a paladin wouldn't have done the Joey thing with the Joey kiss the way he did it. Mm, okay. I think it he was said little... that he would do it again. I know he said he would do it again, but like I just don't think he's like the knight in shining armor type of guy. Like he just isn't like that strong. He's not that like like he's not that confident. He's not that like determined. I don't think he's much druid. More... What did you say? Druid. What about a druid? Actually, that's funny because uh, Austin's character is a shifter druid. (laughs) (laughs) So druids. Maybe. I was also thinking. No, go ahead. Yeah. I definitely think I'm trying to think of. I I feel like the first step for me is always like, where is he going to be in the battle? Mm. Is he going to be in the heat of the battle or is he going to be along uh, in the back or, or a mix? And I don't. He's not melee in my head. He's just not like confident and like aggressive enough. To be melee, I don't think. Um, then I, I think that something like something like druid could actually work. Um, you know, like he, like druids tend to be like very connected to mm-hmm. nature, and I don't know if that's necessarily Jack's kind of vibe. But like, there's still sort of an awareness around the around around them. Um, and even if he's got like walls up, he can still be like yeah, observant and sort of know what's going on. Druids can kind of be in that middle space they can sort of shift into something that could be up in the melee by turning into that lone wolf or they could mm-hmm. um you know or they can kind of stand back and and you know use use magic and sort of other sort of manipulations so like druid could work you know what else I, druid could work sarah so like the scene like you're saying when when he says like oh i do it again it's like or i'm not sorry i'm not gonna apologize for kissing joey it's like that's the moment he turns into like an animal and is a little bit more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His normal state is to be mm-hmm. more like submissive and passive. But yes. in that moment, I could see like the shift in him. You know what I mean? Well, maybe. Yeah. So maybe yeah. Druid is the. And I got. Yeah. 
Um, the only other thing I was thinking is like I also would use the 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 phrase like still waters run deep mm-hmm. with him. I feel like he's a very like old soul as well. I think that tracks with the old magic of mm-hmm. druids. Um, if he's kind of got this sort of deep mm-hmm. like sort of well to him, I think that could track. And yeah. if we wanted to, the druid druids can also shapeshift. So like to what you're sort of saying about like him having this sort of like harsher edge that comes sometimes comes out. Maybe he still is a turtle, but he's a druid. So like most of the time he's in that like reserved, slow moving, centered space, but he can turn into a wolf when he needs yes. to. Yes. Yes, I like that. See, Sarah, you got your wish. He could be a turtle druid. <laughs> that sounds very tragic. <laughs> no, but I love it. I think he's it's a perfect. he's a turtle druid. Okay, I love it. I think all it right, perfectly. Sure, anything's yeah. possible mm-hmm. in this world. There are yeah. no limits. Anything's possible in the creek. Yeah, yeah. No, no limits. limits in D and D. No limits in Dawson's Creek. Uh, uh, um, Sarah, you take on our last character here, one of your yeah. favorites. Um, our my girl, Abby Morgan. She is a bad bitch. She brings in some bad bitch energy. She is snarky. She is funny. She's a bad girl. She like loves to drag people down in the in the uh in the sewer with her. Um, she's chaotic. She's like a, a bit of a bitch, a bit of a troublemaker. Um, she's just like fire, 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 such a firecracker. Um, she's a lot of fun. So I don't, I mean, I don't know. Like, I feel like we should like pull from like the evil player (laughs) section. Yeah, she definitely, her alignment is definitely like chaotic. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So she, so she is like a full on villain character in the, in the show, or is she sort of just the. Basically. So. Yeah, so basically she has teamed up with Jen this season because Jen got kicked out of, like, the group, right, after she broke up with Dawson. So now Jen is, like, her main uh, friend, I'll say, because they're more like frenemies. They get into constant fights. Abby wants all of the attention, and when one guy focuses attention on Jen, Abby gets upset. She's very spoiled. Uh, She has very rich parents who are divorced and give her tons of money that she has to spend. Um, And she's not, like, mean to – well, no, she is – she's not, like – well she kind of is she like she can be mean she like she's the one that called joey trailer trash like yeah she basically told jen that like you know she has the same dress as jen but in a smaller size like yeah she tells dawson to stop drooling in the hallways (laughs) yeah she she's really mean and she also wants to she wants to get out of dawson's creek and move to the city um oh and then here once when they're all together so at this time, Joey liked Dawson. Dawson was in a relationship with Jen and Pacey. I don't know what Pacey was. Pacey up to. was no, it was with no pa- one. Yeah, yeah. But she made um, during a game of Truth or Dare. She made Dawson and Joey kiss when everybody knew that Joey had a crush on Dawson. Ooh, yeah, she's there okay, for the chaos. Okay. All right, I've got a very clear idea who this character is after that, for sure. Pure <laughs> chaos. All right. Yeah, she's definitely chaos. I wonder if she's like a goblin or something. <laughs> no, don't do my no, girl dirty I, like I, that. No, Give her the genasi. Yeah, 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 I was thinking that. You, you described her as a firecracker. She's a fire genasi. 
or or tiefling but i think fire genasi like she's oh, got yes. this kind of like no fire pure elemental like elemental chaos uh you know don't get too close you'll get burned kind of energy to her which i think feel like yeah fits mm-hmm. really well yes here's exactly i i also feel like to me her recent class are so obvious mm-hmm. like is she not a fighter or a barbarian? Oh. Like, she is in your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's either... I, I was thinking barbarian the whole time, she but rages. <laughs> I don't totally know the difference between a barbarian and a fighter. <laughs> so barbarians um, tend... Like, they're, they're like the wild warriors, um, you know, that you know, sort of move about in, in tribes. They've got, like, this very like, intense, like, emotional investment in their battle, um, you know, to... To be more effective in battle, they literally enter a rage. Um, whereas fighters are, you know, more like trained tacticians, and like they they understand how to wield a blade, wield like wield a shield, uh, you know, a pike, you know, how to ride cavalry, whatever, whatever. Like they're they're more trained and more focused. Whereas barbarians are a lot more like nobody can train <laughs> yeah Abby Morgan. no she's the she's barbarian a, so she's a barbarian to throw it to throw a spanner in the works because this is what immediately jumped to mind when you were describing her rogue because she's mm-hmm. manipulative she's oh sneaky. yeah she's uh she's kind of like she'll uh you know she might be a friend to your face but she'll cut a bitch like uh, she's uh yeah. she's got this sort of uh chaotic dark energy you're so right yes sarah the last episode remember they're like she's telling jen like oh i'm gonna go to the dance and guess what i'm gonna make christy's boyfriend mine and they won't even see it coming and guess what Mm -hmm. at the dance who's she dancing with christy's boyfriend (laughs) yeah yeah i think i think you're right i was full into the barbarian but you're right she is she can eventually multi-class trickier than that (laughs) like she's more manipulative than i think like a barbarian Mm -hmm. would be right like she definitely has like some intelligence to her and that's what makes her so dangerous is that she's not an idiot or she's not like totally brash right like she has like some like manipulative intelligence to her that like you know she's um like a, a puppet master yeah. that kind yeah. of like a dungeon master but mm. not really I, right? I, think, I think i would hate to have abby as a dungeon master i think she'd be trying to kill my characters every time we sat down at the table she definitely she does it yeah that's abby she's fun she's actually like one of my favorite she's pretty much like one of my favorite characters to watch because she's co- so we call them her and Jen the like the the what is it the danger duo or something disaster like that? duo disaster duo that's it because it's a disaster, disaster when they get together yes oh my gosh okay so the only one we have to shore up then is um, Dawson who we had as a human and either a cleric or a paladin so I feel like just by the fact that we have Grams as a cleric he should be a paladin I think right? that tracks I think that that feels good to me but I don't know about you Sarah. Mm-hmm. I do agree. I think that it very much fits as like he has such like a knight in charming armor mentality. Like yeah. even though like he might not be 100% it, he thinks that he is and he kind of would like force himself in that position whether if he deserves to be there or not so and maybe that's his ultimate goal it's like he sees himself as that but maybe like throughout his 
four years of playing Dungeons and Dragons, like maybe like that's he'll become who he thinks that he is and he ultimately becomes the hero of the story. One can only hope because Dawson's pretty unbearable. So <laughs> a lot of um, the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully within seven seasons he becomes uh his truest paladin self. Mm-hmm. Fingers yeah. crossed. So this is our our party Yes, this is our party as it stands. We have uh, Dawson, the human paladin, Joey, the half-elf ranger, Pacey, the halfling bard, Jen, the changeling warlock, Grams, the tabaxi cleric, Andy, the gnome monk, Jack, the turtle druid, and Abby, the genasi rogue. What do you think of this party, Austin? Would this be a good adventuring party? I think this party? is an incredible adventuring party. Like, balance-wise, like, you got some healing, you got some folks that can get up, like, up in the fray um like it's a it's a leans a little magic heavy but i like that i like the, having the the, the surprises of, of magic there um i think this is a great mm-hmm. party this is super fun i want to run for this this group <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think if you ever needed some more melee you could have abby multi-class as a barbarian yeah. rogue and then you'd get a little bit more melee if you needed yeah. it but I think, I mean, you have a ranger and a monk who yeah. can kind of get up in and there. Paladin, yeah, sure. Obviously, my gosh, they're meant yeah. to be a tank. You, you've, you've got some tankers, yeah. like some tanks in there. It's funny to yeah, think of sure. Dawson as a tank. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this. This is so great. I hope everybody agrees with our picks. If you don't, I'd love to hear what you disagree with, why you think we had the complete wrong race or class for any of these characters. But this is so much fun. Sarah, do you think you have a better grasp on what Dungeons and Dragons is now? I think I do. I think that um, it's it was this was so much fun. Like I definitely feel more, you know, just like you've been talking about Dungeons and Dragons for a while now, and I I feel left out, but I feel like I I get it more now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even I'll work on that uh, mermaid siren genasi character <laughs> that I, I was talking about before maybe austin we have a moment maybe we could dig Let's in deeper to that but i'm i'm very excited at the prospects um and i i'm i'm really happy that we did this it was so much fun austin this was like a delight thank you thank you for having me it was it was i mean i'm always keen to talk dungeons and dragons and it was it was so much fun to come on here and thank you for you know filling me in on who all of these characters were (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think this is fun though i think i love sorting characters into anything and i think it just goes to show that like you could do this with like any television show it's just it's fun to be like oh if they played if they played a character in a a game of dungeons dragons what Mm -hmm. would they be um thank you so much for coming on austin if people want to find you what are you up to where can they find you if they want to give you a follower find out more about dungeons and dragons <laughs> well i am sporadically active on twitter at uh, austin f smith eight it's a terrible handle but that's what it is uh i <laughs> i don't tweet a lot these days because i spend most of my time uh online in the post show recaps discord group where i dm for the wonderful dungeons and dragons game going on there um but if you want to talk D&D to me uh, at any point, hit me up on Twitter. Um, if you want to see me play D&D, there is one example of it <laughs> over on twitch.tv slash dmphilly, where we streamed one of our post-show recaps Discord games, and you can see me playing my shifter druid Bram, uh, if you want to kind of see D&D in action. Um, it's quite a fun session. Uh, otherwise, uh, I think that's pretty much it. 
I'm sporadically on podcasts, but not a lot. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, uh, I'm, I'm a rare find. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should be on more. I feel like you did such a good job at explaining Dungeons and Dragons to somebody who really, I mean, Sarah knows almost nothing about it beyond that, like what, what a basic person would know about Dungeons and Dragons just from popular, you know, pop culture. Um, but yeah, definitely also give, give Philly a follow on, on Twitch, DM Philly. Uh, he does so much amazing Dungeons and Dragons content. If that is at all up your alley, uh, give him a follow. Cause he has, he, he is one of the best dungeon masters. Literally. I mean, we have such, we're so blessed with such a great crew over at Posture Recaps. And he is one of the many amazing dungeon masters over there. Um, but yeah, Sarah, what else do we have coming up to close out the wonderful month of May? Uh, we are May Ballin' still. Not the hashtag, but that's what we're doing. <laughs> May uh, Ballin'. <laughs> May Ballin'. Uh, swinging into May. Um, so we recorded a podcast with the great Will Afferty about The Sandlot. Um, Jessica, one of Jessica's favorite childhood movies. And um, that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm excited for you guys to listen. This was one of those things that I never really experienced, too. So you get my fresh thoughts on a classic 90s baseball movie. And then um, there's a special event going on on May 27th. If you are a person of uh, pop culture... 90s TV you might know what's happening on May 27th just a little teaser and we will be uh covering it because it's mm-hmm. our do it's you know it's our obligation so it is our territory it is previously 90s content so yes so um so just a little teaser you'll know soon enough and then our normal boy meets world and our Dawson's Creek da- um, Dawson's Creek comes out on Mondays and boy meets world comes out on Thursdays so keep up with that um, you can always find us on social media at shit 90s pod on Twitter and Instagram if you want to send in feedback for this podcast shit 90s pod at gmail.com follow me on the clubhouse the club hizzy at Sarah Ferguson, uh, it's a dying, a dying thing. But, um, you know, I'm really clasping my mermaid talons on it. Um, can't let it go. Uh, how about you, Jess? What's going on in your world? Yeah, you can always find me on Community Building over at Post Show Recaps, uh, doing a rewatch with the great Josh Wiggler weekly. Uh, we just had... Phil T on that was streaming live today, the day we're recording. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, very fun, very it's a silly podcast. Go give it a go give it a listen if that's something that you're interested in. Um, yeah, super excited for for June and all that we have and to finish out this amazing month. Thank you again so much, Austin, for taking the time to come on and and teach us a little bit more about D&D and help us sort these characters that you know almost nothing about. <laughs> Anytime. Um, it was it's such so a fun. pleasure, such a fun time. <laughs> All right. Thank you all for listening. We hope you have a good one. Bye, everybody.
Just ask. Shit 90 Shows taught me. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 